CFR Network, CFR News. Welcome back. Continuing this here Texas series, I have a, a legend, legendary uh, guest with me today, an integral part um, of the early H-Town scene. I have uh, the CEO, Beatbox Records. Welcome to the broadcast, sibling. Introduce yourself fully, man. I'm not, I know I've left out your sporting um, academics and attributes for uh, you, man. Introduce yourself, mate. Okay. Uh, Richard Johnson, uh, CEO of Beatbox Records, and also um, um, eight-year professional football player with the uh, Houston Oilers football team here in Houston, Texas. The legendary Houston Oilers at the, the, the Houston peak. Oilers. Yeah, man. <laughs> Listen, we we any any team, the Rockets, the Oilers, anything coming out of out of that that uh, that H, we we were definitely supporting over here, man. Yes, sir. For sugar, D, man. So thank you very much for uh, taking your time out today to, uh, to 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 grace the broadcast with yourself and to you know trustfully tell your story in your way in your on your terms and uh you know explore the human experience in a little bit more detail and stuff you know what i mean yes sir so so um as, as i've been doing you know i think uh, the last almost two years has been a tumultuous time for for many on this plane of existence with the uh, as i've dubbed the zombie apocalypse uh how has it affected you, Richard? How, how, how have you been motivated? How have you been discouraged? And ultimately, how have you been able to make it through to see the growing year of 2021? I think the main thing that pandemic has taught me is uh, you have to embrace this technology if you want to go forward. I mean, that's what I, I that's been my major goal was embracing technology, uh, being more involved in the website, social media and those things. You have, you have to be involved in those things if you want to, especially if you want to do business with younger people. You just have to get on the, you have to get on, on the website. You have to embrace this technology. Keyword, as you've just said, embrace it. Don't reject it. You don't need to totally overindulge yourself within it, but embrace it and utilize what's necessary to make your life um, personally and professionally better. Yeah, that's the key thing. Don't overindulge it because you can't. I can spend hours just going through feeds and news and all that. Next thing you know, I look up, damn, I've been on here for a couple hours. So no, no, you don't want to end up uh, overindulge. No yeah. overindulge, as they say. This, the, the, that's that's the, uh, the, the, the wonderful little web of these little te technological um, wizards. That's what they do. They have the ability to, to, to grab one's um, attention span and oh. keep it you know, looking and swiping at this little glowing box in front of us. <laughs> yes, they're very good at that. I mean, you have to give them credit. They are good at keeping you embraced into a technology. They actually watching that thing all day. Time flies when you're doing that, man. They do a good job. Definitely. We need to do that as a company. We need to embrace people more. Get them on our website more. <laughs> Definitely get that traffic over there, you know, get them, get, you know, as you say, introduce some of the, the younger generation into some timeless classical foundational music brought forth at, at a time where, you know, it wasn't necessarily popular 
to do the kind of things that y'all were doing back then, you know? No, it wasn't. Because I, I, I just can imagine not uh, going to a record store, picking up a CD or vinyl and busting out the lining. I mean, that was great when you used to pick up CDs, you go through the line and see who produced what, who wrote this and that. I miss those times when you see a new album that you don't get to go through it, the credits and everything like that. I miss yeah. that. That was one of the far, fun parts of listening to music, going through those credits, reading producers and all that. That was a great time. And it gave you, outside of giving you more of a, an infinity or affinity with the artists, record label, etc. It also opened up your eyes to, okay, well, making music isn't just as simple as... <clears throat> pardon self you know having maybe a production a producer you need someone who's going to master you need an editor you need you know who's actually driving this independent record label you know is it a big machine you know you start to get to understand understand and overstand the increasing um increases or the little tiny portions of how the finished product gets to us so outside seeing like a jive records and seeing how that's presented to us we're seeing, okay, you know, look at the album cover. Okay, look how they're, they're marketing the next album, you know, on the inside of the inlay, you know, you're picking up yeah. all these gems and jewels of how things are marketed. The Okay, that didn't work this time. I've seen how they've switched it up and the, you know, so we see the evol evolution and the growth within that process. Yes, you do, because that's very important because that's how we found, that's how we found people who do mastering. They say, who's doing the mastering on that, you know? And you find, this name or that name. You say, who did the graphic works on that? That's how I found my graphic artist, Black Cat Design. I mean, he was doing all these fantastic covers. Mm -hmm. And I said, I like that guy. Let's get his information and let's go call him. And that's how, that's how we did it. Going through the liner notes, figuring out who did this and who did that, who produced that track. This producer, I like this producer. Who did that? Who did that track? And you do find people, it is definitely a great information source. It was a great information source. So t talking about the, you know, finding a sound, a production sound, how easy was it sort of approaching certain producers, you know, to say, look, you know, come over here. We need you to get some kind of some, some, some stuff going over here, man. It was hard when you first started now because in Texas, man, we had so many different guys trying to do labels. So they were getting calls from a bunch of people. They said, man, we don't know who you are. I called and say, hey, man, Bebop Records, you know, we got one record in. They said, oh, no, call me when you get a couple more uh, records in the game. You know, they weren't, <laughs> they weren't just going to go, all right, sure, what you need. No, nah, you got to prove yourself, you know, before mm. you start getting guys in there. And that's how it went, man. They wanted to hear it. Make sure you're gonna be around. Make sure you're serious, and make sure. Most of all, they want to make sure you have some money in your pocket to pay for the beats. <laughs> they want to make sure you can pay for their beats and weren't wasting their time. That's what it was like. A lot of studios in Houston, you know, you had to really put out a deposit because you didn't have. They had so many people calling, setting up time in these recording studios here that they wouldn't just uh, book your time. You had to come in, meet them, put your credit card and everything up. So it was a little tough starting off. As, as we're highlighting, it laid out, you know, a, a consistent foundation and platform for you to build on. And, you know, I mean, what was what was the very first release that you you, um, you came with on Beatbox? What was the first release? Our first release was the uh, Street Military, another hit EP. We did that, another hit. Please, please, can I have another hit? Mm. 
And, uh, and we got pretty blessed on, on that because Street Military had Icy Hot. So, you know, Icy Hot did all the production. All early Street Military production was done in-house with Icy Hot. So that's how we benefit from that. And I guess that's the... <laughs> That's where that that sort of unique, because at that time, I didn't hear a sound like that coming out of H. I did not hear a sound and that hardness on the beats as well. I didn't hear that. Yeah, Icy was, he was, he was special, man. Icy came with all kinds of different beats. And the way he's he's cutting and scratching, man, I still haven't seen too many people get cut and scratch like Icy, especially in Texas. You might find a few in New York or other places, but Icy was definitely different. He did a lot of scratching on our music, and it really had a totally different sound that people still comment on, especially when young folks run into the music. And I hear their comments on the record. They said, man, this is definitely something different. Man. Icy was ahead of his time. Futuristic, futuristic, different. As I say, the first time I stumbled across that, yeah, I can't even remember how we found Street Military. I don't even know how we did. But then it was just a search beatbox records okay uh where else you know we went to hmv and we you know went to the computer it's the old days where you can go to the side and had the computer and you say okay this is the artist or this is the record label and then search through their european distributors and say oh okay yeah we we did there's an album here we got less money you know that's gonna take 36 weeks to come over here (laughs) it's gonna be like 32 pounds and shit Yeah, man, we got to do a better job. I still get, I get a lot of calls from overseas. We ship overseas, but, you know, a lot of people say, man, you need to distribute over here. But we're going to find us a distributor and send it in one place and just let it get out there. Definite, definite. But it was was able to be consumed here on small levels, unfortunately, because it wasn't, you couldn't just go there until, this is a good thing, certain independent stores, um, there's one no longer um, around, one called Tempest. They realized that there was a niche in underground music, especially Southern stuff. Yeah. So as soon as they started seeing me or, you know, my conglomerate purchasing certain stuff or asking for certain stuff, they would then proactively, okay, you know, first what they would do is like, okay, anything with a pen and pixel album cover, we'll buy that for nobody's conglomerate they're gonna get that there you know i mean funky fat graphics black cat so it was more visually and then they started to realize okay well rap a lot you know obviously that the foundation if anything comes out from there we know they're gonna be buying five six cds or tapes straight away wax depending on who it is so then they started saying okay yeah then there was actually displaying them in the back like showing other people and they'll be looking and Ghetto, oh, I've heard of Ghetto Boys. Oh, what's that album there? And, you know, so it started to spread and people started to not just look at your, your, your prototypical East Coast, um, which was, a, you know, the foundation and the, the very right. popular scene, not just the, the West Coast with your, your cubes and them and your Mad Circle, Dubsy and that, your 11.5, your Bay, your E40. It was like, oh, actually, you know, there's, 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 some, there's some other states, man. You yes, know? <laughs> Got a whole South Side down here. <laughs> definitely. Gulf definitely. Coast. Yes, the Gulf Coast, the Third Coast. Yeah, it, was, it, play, it, it played a, um, a pivotal point. I have to reiterate this um, when I'm doing these, these Texas series. 
the, the music that was brought forth was was very much an integral part of my childhood growing up and so many people so many of my friends and peers um just the stories the production not even just the artists themselves actually you know looking at the ceos you know the record labels the production houses that are around that it really gave us a wider view on the wilderness of north america not yes. just from the east coast lens not just from the west coast lens you know we were looking at the south you know atlanta miami texas new orleans you know memphis you know we're looking we're looking we're seeking out anything which is non-mainstream yeah that may, that's a good point there yeah we gave a definitely a different style to 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 what we were doing we were definitely doing something that was totally different from everyone else so i guess you could say it expanded your horizons most yeah. definitely most definitely it's it's to this day you know that great state of texas is is, is a place you know trust you once once traveling is is a lot more easier and stuff it's a state i i is on the list on the agenda texas you know louisiana and memphis have to oh, go yeah. definitely have come to. in definitely got to hook, hook us up hook, hook up with us when you come with, with that, know, you know it man yeah. I, you know yeah. i'd have to do i'd have to i'd have to like schedule like a six-week tour or something because <laughs> i can't just obviously stay in the h i gotta go to that d i gotta go to san antonio uh, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah that would be a great one you need to come over and do a documentary on it see that to the states yes that that you might have just spoken that into existence that is an excellent idea to yeah. actually document the the, the the journey because let's look at it now i mean we, we can still see the, the the echoes and remnants of that golden era still yes, within the music industry today yeah you can and it's still very very popular here man the younger kids are embracing that era and you know some of the main cats are still around man so you could definitely when you come here you'll definitely be able to see and talk to most of the guys who were around the originators you know we had a few a few artists that passed, but a lot of them are still here. A lot of executives are here that give you the whole story of what happened and how it all started. Definite. And, and you know, rising paradise to too many of the soldiers uh, who have unfortunately no longer with us. Uh, mm -hmm. As they say, man, the, the good die young. But we still <laughs> got some people, you know, some foundational legends that are still churning out quality material yes you do yes you do matter of fact i just i just heard uh k reno's new album i was just jamming k reno's new album i mean that guy there is incredible man one of one of the most underrated hard working prolific the amount of work he puts out that boy is incredible. When you drop seven albums in one day, that's a career, man. He mm. dropped seven albums in one day. He's yep. he's something else. But anyway, I hear Scarface was talking about he 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 wanted to produce K Reynolds next album. Mr. Face I, himself, the the, the yeah, legend. Face Mob. <laughs> he wanted to do it. He wanted to do his next album. It, it, it's, I, well, you know what would be what would be beautiful to see, like a, a, a triple disc with like the North, the South, with some, you know, just everybody just contributing and, you know, maybe a little yeah. solo track here and there, but just all of the greats just 
doing the damn thing. Triple CD, let's put it out there like a 30th anniversary kind of thing of the golden era. You know, oh, let's bring that wave back. That would be great. Mm, would be great. I know somebody who could probably do that too. He's still around. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Robert Gilliman over at Southwest. Yes, he played an integral part of that DMI. Man, and that's the underground guy people don't talk very much about, but he was very integral in getting everybody started. I mean, he, without his help, it would have been a little bit harder. We would have got going, but with his help, he just kicked it right along. He'd be a great guy to do it, something like that. On a national puts level, that, that, that was the difference between staying local, right? Having local yep. success at the trunk type success to like really pushing that line. That's what Robert did. Yeah, he took you above ground. He put you in so many other retail stores and got your music in front of so many people. I mean, he, you can't, I can't tell you how valuable that was. I mean, because he definitely took you out of trunk, those late night clubs, popping a trunk at the end of the club, do a show. We all in the trunk waiting on people to come out. And you just heard us. There we go. Here, yeah, buy the CD, take it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Robert put us in the stores. We can tell him, hey, go to your nearest local record store and get it. But you know what? I think that that's still, there's nothing better than like, okay, I'm just going to go to this club and you turn up at the club. Whoa, shit, there's a lot. Okay, who's this? And you're filling the music and the next thing you know, go out, you go out to the car park and they're there and you can speak to them, converse. You know, in this day and age, you can take the selfie pictures and all that shit exactly. and actually physically get a CD. You know, that's something you have in the car. And as soon as you pick it up, that memory, you know, you'll be transported, sorry, back to that memory, back to that time of linking and saying, you know what, I met these brothers. You know, yeah. it was that hole in the wall club. These people, they were cool. You know, trust me, the experience is good. You know, sometimes obviously we're human. We might have bad days or bad nights, but That's trustfully, you know, they got their game face on. It was a good experience for everybody involved. And it's, that's now a follower or a fan for life. Yeah, it's true. Because sometimes when you look at YouTube, I see the comments and those guys, are, I met them at such such club back in when I was 18, when I was here. And they'll bring that up, man. Those are memories. And they do remember those memories, meeting the guys, man. And every time they hear that music or they'll make a comment on the bottom of a YouTube song, they'll bring it up. That was good old-fashioned networking, huh? Proper, proper mm. networking, proper networking. Yep. You know what I mean? When you can actually, you know, look a man or a woman in their eye, man, and see exactly who they is. You know, not conversing over emails and little voice notes exactly. on your... <laughs> Yep, you get a personal feeling, a personal touch. You get sort of like a personal relationship. I knew that guy. We hung out for a quick minute. Mm. Uh, you know, something they'll probably just always remember when they hear your song. They say, I remember meeting him. So those were good times when you get to meet people like that. Definitely, man. And, and, and I see that there is a resurgence more of, you know, you know, limited releases. I know Blank's done a, a limited release with his, um, that Mad at the World on, on vinyl. So... There is a first, especially, you know, vinyl is now, it's trendy again for some strange reason, you know. <laughs> vinyl is way too trendy here, man, because it takes so long. We did the Don't Give a Damn Picture Disc, and uh, that went so well. I said, well, we're going to do Pharaoh Six Foot Giant. Mm. And, man, we've been waiting on that for about eight months now. It's that and long. It's, it's that long here, man. I mean, it's so hard. They said they're going to have, actually, we should get a test pressing this week hopefully on Pharaoh Six Foot Giant. Because I would love to do the whole catalog, just knock it out. 
the amount of DJs or just wax heads that would just feel that they'd probably buy two, one for obviously use and one just to put down. Because like my wax records collection isn't the biggest, but it's only I don't play them no more. They're just there. They're in like a little plastic wallet, you know. You know, they're just there just to be, you know, to 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 just take that snapshot. And I remember I can I can just picture like my MC8 We Come Strapped album cover. I got that on tape. I yeah. got that on I got that on, on wax. You know what I mean? My yes, puck, mad at the me against the world. I got that on tape. I got that on CD. I got that on wax. You know what I mean? These are the yeah. you, you you get those special albums sometimes, and it's like let's get them on every format. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, I know. I just bought. I think I bought when uh, Kiki dropped that. Don't mess with Texas. I bought like three copies of that, you know, make sure I, I know I was going to lose it. Somebody's going to take it, but I bought three copies of it. I said, if I buy three, I should end up with at least one in my uh, storage. Uh, Let's not even get into that. <laughs> you get disappeared. You know that. They Let disappear. me. And you got those, you know, those trade-offs like, yeah, yeah, I've had this for a couple of months now. I know it. Like, yo, let, let me borrow that. And and you can have this. This isn't, you know, and then somehow you just don't get your shit back. And... Don't get it back, baby. <laughs> you don't get it back. <laughs> you don't get them back. No, no, not whatsoever. Let me borrow that. Yeah, okay, let you borrow. Let me hold that sibling. <laughs> But you gotta have that extra. You gotta have that extra storage in the back. That then uh, you ain't even going back there to do that section. This is it. But you, you know, like in the in the mids, I guess about the late nineties, mid thousand, early thousands, when you could easily purchase yourself a CD rewriter. So it was like, oh no, 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 you're not borrowing this. Give me, give, you got a disc with you? No. Okay. There no. you go. <laughs> no. Borrowing, no, you never get them back. You buying that same record five times. And push this five times. This is it, man. But we like that as a record label, though. You can buy it five times. Yeah, this is it. Um, it, it, it contributes and adds to the uh, the overall numbers. And again, look, you, you you've got limited runs, like for instance, where you had situations where it was uh, an independent deal, and then they do a major deal. And then they'll add a few more songs on. You gotta buy that one now, you know. Yep, sure do, yep. With a little remix on there, the slightly different album cover, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, man, you know. Yeah, they do that. Put a song with two different new songs on it. That was a that was a major formula when the majors come down and grab an artist and sign them to deals. Put a couple songs and you buy that same album again. Definitely. And and obviously us being over here, we didn't we didn't really catch on to it straight away. We was like Oh wait a minute! I've already got this album, right? Yeah. <laughs> and there was, there was even blatant enough to actually sometimes change the whole album title, the, the, the cover, and everything. Name it something else, or just <laughs> <laughs> you think hey. she? They must be putting in work, man. They got a new album out straight away. Okay, and it's like ah oh, remixes, yeah, yeah, yeah. All good, all good. You know, just little, little bump up the collection, make it look nice. The majors mastering the marketing technique. Yes. And, you know, a lot of people were clever enough to, you know, to get dis nice distribution deals rather than, you know, getting totally raped and stuff. Um, yeah. Good old days, man. Yeah, they were, man. But if you get that 
distribution deal and you were the man then. They, we just need distribution, man. That's why I think that that's the only reason we only did the street military because we just wanted distribution. They wanted to sign the artists. We did the Don't Give a Damn with Wild Pitch Records. And they did pretty much that. They put a few couple new songs on songs that we had already done. And they put a couple new songs on there and they released the Don't Give a Damn uh, EP. How was that connection made with the Wild Pitch? Was, was you shopping for them or were they shopping for you? They came and got us. They saw us through Southwest. They were looking at some of our old, old numbers. And they uh, they were really impressed with Pharaoh. Pharaoh really drew, drew their attention. So they came down here and uh, they really wanted to deal with Pharaoh, but they signed the whole group. But it was a good experience. We didn't make any money off of it, but at least we, it, it taught us a little bit about the record industry being it. And actually being inside of it, working Wild Pitch and AMI, you see how things work. Mm-hmm. You know, that was beneficial. Experience, experience, yeah, experience, no money, but experience, and obviously exposure as well. Exposure, yes, sir. Yeah, exposure is great too. Yeah, because I guess Wild Pitch being a a East Coast sort of label, I guess that may have opened it up a little bit more to the East Coast as well. You would have thought it would, but I don't think it did. But it got us as far as uh, Atlanta, so we went we went halfway up the East Coast. Yeah, that's when East Coast was real strict back then. They wouldn't let nothing. Mm. Uh, from the south or anywhere else in there. You yeah, country, boy. man. You boys country down there riding oh, the horses, yeah. man. <laughs> boy, we had to send Pimp C up there to get him straight. Now, Pimp C was the only one. He'd get him straight, Pimp C and them ghetto boys. You already know the thing, man. Rising Paradise, Chad Butler. Straight talker, man. Straight yeah. talker, straight from the hip. No messing about. Straight, no chase. Listen, <laughs> this is it, how it yeah. is, man. <laughs> That was Pimp C boy. He go there. He get everybody upset. He'll tell exactly how he feels. Look, there's nothing wrong with that, man. There's nothing wrong with speaking your minds. People need to be taking pages of his character in that respect. Speak your mind. You don't need to be all rah rah about it. Just speak your mind. Be your be true to yourself. If you're feeling it, you're feeling it. If you ain't, you know, speak your mind. He was definitely that type because he didn't do nothing he didn't like. Because, you know, uh, industry guys could teach. I mean, they can somehow, let me see, they can, I don't want to say trick, but they can definitely get an artist to do something they may not be comfortable with. But with Pimp C, he wasn't going to do anything he wasn't comfortable with. If he wasn't comfortable with it, it wouldn't go down. He wouldn't do it at all. Masters of manipulation would be the right word. Yeah, there you go. He would not do it. He didn't like it. He didn't feel right about it. Nope, wasn't going to happen. Them TV folks do have a, a, a wonderful way of um, exploiting <laughs> young, young black males and young black females. But <laughs> <laughs> well, lessons, man, sometimes this is the, the situation. Some, someone's trials and tribulations are another person's, you know, mm-hmm. example. It's that, yeah, yo, I ain't doing that. I ain't going down that road, route or that road. Or for others, it's like, yo, that looks exciting. Yes, I won't do that, man. <laughs> Pick your poison. Pick your poison. Yes, sir. You definitely have to do that. Mm. So let's jump in the old DeLorean, Richard. Let's jump in the DeLorean with Doc and Marty. And let's rewind time. Before there was... In a film, and before there was 
and beatbox records. What, where, where were we born and raised? Uh, I was born on the south side of Chicago, uh, in the Chicago suburbs of Chicago. In those good old days of the good south side of Chicago, I was born and raised. Uh, stayed there until I was 18. I got a football scholarship to the University of Wisconsin, Wisconsin Badgers on Wisconsin. And I played four years of football up there in uh, Wisconsin. And then I was drafted by Houston Oilers in what was that, 85 somewhere. And then I've been in Houston ever since. And then Texan. Yeah. So, okay, okay. Chicago. Paint, try and paint a vivid picture of what Chicago was like on the South Side when you growing up as an 80, as a uh, youngster. Ooh, my picture, my childhood memories of South Side of Chicago was filled with you know, a lot of parties, some hard work, going to the lake. Lake Michigan was where we hung out down in Lake Michigan and downtown Chicago. You know, a lot of fun. Wasn't a violent, non-violent, a lot of party and playing sports. I played every sport imaginable, football, baseball, basketball, track. I did it all. I was a great, I had a great athletic childhood. My childhood was filled with just going from mm. team to team, sport to sport. That's what I was. And wasn't a street kid or anything like that. All my time was consumed with playing sports, man. That's all I did. Was, 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 it, was it the competitive edge within you or was it just the drive to compete uh, to compete and to, you know, to physically do something? Uh, it was it was definitely a competitive edge. I always wanted to be the best, try to beat everybody at whatever we did, basketball, baseball, football, whatever it was. I definitely wanted to beat. I was a competitive guy, competed in everything. Definitely had. Was, was that something naturally nurtured or did your parents kind of say, you know what, I want you to look into, you know, I, I want you to have an activity. I want you to, to, to have a fulfill, fulfilled life outside of having to just go to school and then you've got the, the, the traps of, um, you know, outside walls. I think it was, it was some of my, some contribute from contribute, uh, some contribution from my parents, but mainly it was a, maybe I would say a neighborhood thing. We've always had a neighborhood that was more into competing in sports, man. We didn't do a, a lot of other things. Sports were a major thing that we wanted to do. We all wanted to be Chicago Bears or we wanted to be the White Sox. I mean, we were definitely Chicago White Sox fans and we were definitely Bear fans. So that's definitely what we wanted to do. We didn't want to be a Bear, we want to be a White Sox or even a Bull. Chicago Bulls. Oh, the but Bulls as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, Artis Gilmore was was our hero growing up. Bob Love, those guys. But it was a competitive neighborhood. I would say we 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 thrived on playing sports. Every time we turned around, there was something going on sports wise. It wasn't Perry on there as well. Refrigerator. Yeah, he Perry. actually he came out my year. We came out the same year. We're in the same draft class. At least the sibling, I remember Channel Four days. This is the yeah. days where we only had four channels on the TV. Four B channels. Huh? BBC One, BBC Two, ITV, <laughs> and Channel Four. That was it. And on a okay. Sunday, at like what time is it? Maybe like ten o'clock a.m. They used to play American football. So American be, football. Oh, yeah, that's great. So we used American. to catch up. So Chicago Bears was one of my teams. Um, Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys, um, 
Def and that Troy Aikman, um, Emmett Smith. Yeah, those were my years. I was playing against those guys. That's who I played against. Yeah, this is um, this is the the snapshot of the golden era. It wasn't just the music, everybody. There was a lot. The music, the music. It was the sports. The the boxing was a major thing around them kind of times. It was kind of yeah. a, a slight decline to a point, um, but it, it was it was still there. You know, yeah, that's when boxing had a heavyweight division, a proper heavyweight division. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where are all the heavyweights at? I mean, where the heavyweights at now? Yeah, they're, they're hiding, man. I don't even know. And boxing has become such a a different sport. I mean, it's excellent that these fighters are making tremendous amount of money. I mean, it's it's yes, almost sickening the amount of yep. money that these people, they, you know, uh, not to sound like any kind of socialist or communist or anything, but <laughs> we shouldn't have trillion, multi-millionaires and billionaires where and people across this plane of existence don't have food, clothing, and shelter. Something, something came right there, sibling. <laughs> So you mean we shouldn't have guys flying up to the moon? <laughs> Thank you. This, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Going up to the moon for a couple minutes, hanging out. Okay, let's make take it back down. All right. Mm, this is uh, it. <laughs> play, play, man. Play, play. Let, let's sort yeah, out exactly. the basics. That's how you play. That's how they play. Let's go up to the moon for a couple minutes, huh? <laughs> that's, that's balling right that, there. It, that's balling. Ball okay, that's balling. Balling. Yeah. That's how you ball. If you can do that, you're definitely balling. That's crazy balling. That's some soccer balling that is, man. Oh, that's silly. Yeah. That's stewie money that is. But, like, you know, as I say, commend those athletes who are able to command those salaries and all that. It's good to see that they're making the money. But as from a, a, a connoisseur of combat sports, just make the fights, man. Like, what mm. are we doing? You know, stop, 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 stop padding the careers up, you know, these people and like this, put them up against the people that they need to fight. And let's, you know, everyone's going to make money. It's going to be entertaining. But ultimately, we're going to find out who's the best, right? Yeah, we're, but the politics get involved and all this. And yeah, it gets, it, it gets a little cloudy when that happens. Definitely. Uh, and then they say, well, if we can't make money off such and such, we're not going to give them a fight. You know how to, <laughs> you're not getting a fight. You're not uh, in the loop. So you wanted to be a bear, a bull, or a sock? Yeah, man. When I came out, uh, Houston had a pick before the Bears. I had talked to the Bears because, you know, they bring you in when you're in college. Mm -hmm. They interview you. They bring you into their, their facilities, interview you, and they say, yeah, you're a local kid. So they brought me in. I said, yeah, I would love to play for the Bears. Man, you guys have been my heroes. I've been wanting to be a Bear. They said, let's see <laughs> if you're available. But they said, no, we don't think you're going to be available. They picked like 16th that year, and I went 11th or something like that. Damn. That was my chance to be on the 85 Bears. That was 85 Bears was my rookie year. And they ended up with William Fidgeray Perry went that 16th pick. He got the Super Bowl ring and he, Damn. Got, to be, he got to be famous. Yeah, man, majorly famous, man. And it, and it was good to see a brother out there. I'm like, yeah, we got a melanated brother They're on the field putting in some work and performing to the highest levels. Yes, he did. Yeah. They loved that kid. He was on every commercial, man. He was everywhere. 
William is, he, is William still with us? I think he is. Yeah, he's been a little sick, but uh, I think he's still with us. Okay. And what 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 position did you play, sibling? I was a cornerback. Yeah, cornerback. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Sure was. Yeah, okay. I played cornerback. So, what was it like making that transition from that windy city of Shy and going to that great state of Texas, man, where everything's uh, bigger? <laughs> Bigger and hotter, man. Bigger and hotter. That heat hits you down here in Texas. It's hot here. Very hot. But it was a great experience. I love Texas, man. I don't think I ever leave here. It's straight down. Texas is a good, good pace. It's not too fast, not too slow. If you want to slow it down, you can slow it down and go get your ranch. Or if you want to pick it up, you can definitely hit the hit the scene here in Texas. Houston definitely has a scene. So it's, it's definitely a great time. And do what you want to do. And there's, right. from from what I from what from what I hear at least, there's, and this is I guess this is just like everywhere. There's a little bit for everybody, you know. There's places where you you got no business going down there unless you want problems, and then there's places like where you know there's there's a place for everything if you know what I mean. Yeah, it is down here. And plus, it's so diverse. Houston's a very diverse city. So you can run into, you run into all kinds of people here in Houston. We are a very diverse city. And although we do have certain old areas where you can find a block here, a block here, that certain type of people, but majority of the new spaces here, everything is really diverse. So it's, it's a great experience. You get to experience a bunch of cultures here in Texas. That's mm. in Houston. A bunch a of cultures. A big um, Mexican community there as well, right? Oh yes, sir. You know you're gonna have. You know you're gonna have that brown pride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely, yeah. They are definitely a bunch of uh, Latinos, as we say, amigos. Yes, yes, sir. Amigo, my amigo, and amigos. and Carlos, man. We can't forget Carlos Topaz oh, Records, SPM. It's crazy. He still has an influence, uh, influence here, man. He's dope. Dope uh, sells itself, dope. sibling. It's, it's still, it's definitely selling itself, man. You can go to any, let me see. They, they conquered the flea market. You can always find dope house paraphernalia, merchandise, mm. everywhere. still moving. You still, people still wearing it, man. I would just love to see how he would have progressed if he was still on the street. Yeah. He would be mega big, man. I mean, whoa, man. I mean, yeah, he, he talented. He one of the first Mexican artists who had an identity, stayed true to himself. He did, yep. You know what I mean, and had such a, a wide feature list, like SPC. <clears throat> And SUC were all over that them albums, that power moves, that double this, that time yep. is money. Yep. He hung out with all of them, man. I mean, he was a hard worker, man. SPM was such a hard worker. I mean, he he would be at every radio. You know, radio used to do live broadcasts. They don't do as many of you. But I thought he worked at the radio station when I first I said SPM because he was there every night. He was on the street. Wherever the radio station was, he was there at that club. He was at this event. SPM was a hard-working guy, man. He was working hard. He had definitely deserved his success. He earned it. He worked for it. Definitely. Definitely. Definitely worked for it. 
and he was very talented too on top of that so he had yes. over that 100% it was just terrible what's happened man and he's obviously behind them walls and that penitentiary like oh man yeah man his influence is still out there man his kids are out pushing the merchandise now which is good his brother and his sisters they're doing a good job man dope house records is still very influential right now definite man definite it's it's um is there any news when he might be potentially coming out no he says you know they do that unity fest here in November yes big festival and he, he always speaks at the unity festival maybe you have some surprise or something at the unity fest mm. he always saves it for there yeah, and they yeah. do a live interview with him on stage Proper. so hopefully maybe you have some good information real soon trustfully mine trustfully i mean mac mac came home not too long back yeah i saw that yep you know, I, I hear that that um Christopher BG, he's supposed to he might be coming. I'm hearing rumbles that he might be coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we gotta get our guy Pharaoh out, you know. My guy Pharaoh. Yes. Right. He's been in there a while. I mean, Pharaoh's another guy, man, who definitely missed, man. We had that guy out to see where he was going, but he's definitely missed. But we're trying to do a few things behind the scenes with him, you know. But I don't I don't talk about it, but we're trying yeah. to do some few things. You know, I, I'm still in touch with his mom, so. Okay, we, okay. We be, yeah, but Farrell was a guy who definitely, he's missed, man. He's, he missed. <laughs> Definite, man. Hard brother, man. Yeah, Style that you will not forget. <sighs> no kid, man. He's definitely a top five. Easy. And as you say, it, it's just a pity that we didn't have an uh, an opportunity to see a Pharaoh, to see a SPM, to 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 grow more of, as as artists and to 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 develop and you know to hone their craft. Because we're, we're we're talking a long, you know, nineties, right? Yeah, yeah. Pharaoh's been there a long time. So has SPM, man. I mean, we definitely missed that growth. I mean. Where Farrah would have been now, is, I can't imagine what he, how he, or what he had been rapping about now. He had definitely been on a whole nother level. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. He, back then, he was on a different level. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he was already on a different level, man. With that futuristic no flow. Yeah, futuristic Pharaoh, as he says. Futuristic Pharaoh. Hey, it's, yeah. Memory lane, man. Memory lane. Yeah, it is. That's a tough one, man. Yeah. You know, trustfully, as you say, you know, most high willing, we're going to get him behind those walls and back working this this um, this existence free, you know, to see fam, family, friends, loved ones, and to ultimately to be able to, you know, enjoy life, man. That's it's a yeah, tough situation, yeah. man. It's a tough situation. Yeah. Yep. No doubt. So H-Town, you're feeling it. Actually, sorry, let's, let me jump back to, to, to Chicago. What are we jamming as a youngster, as a teenager? What what we got in the tape deck? Uh, I had a bunch of older brothers and sisters, so they controlled all the music. So we were jamming the old school Earth, Wind & Fire. Okay. Uh, the Ohio players, the funk stuff back then. So they definitely controlling our component set. You know, they had the big little <laughs> room. With the big boxes yes. in there, throw the wax in there. Yeah, they were playing all that old soul music, Isley Brothers, stuff like that. That's what we grew up on: Earth, Wind, and Fire, Isley Brothers, and of Teddy. course, of course, a Motown. You know, you can't forget yeah. Motown. I love 
come on come on that's that, that's that's foundational again foundational stuff without you see we can sh we can show the, the 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 lineage of where this comes from and we can like we hear samples like i brought to yourself on when i was doing an interview with one of the producers that h-town funk that's what it is We're gonna do a song that you've never heard before. We're gonna do a song that you've never heard before. We're gonna do a song that you've never heard before. We're gonna do a song that you've never heard before. I'm your number one suspect, cause I wear black clothes. Tilt my hat back and choke on weed. Just how I want to I'm out there bad like a madman A savage You can't manage without doing some kind of damage I'm in the ghetto street spotlight I'm always low down and always high as a kite Now every day it's like somebody's watching me Gotta get my nine millimeter for the cap on me They better be coming equipped as number one suspect Ain't no punk, go pop your trunk, go grab your punk I ain't about to be put the Fear. They said I'll be dead in a year. I used to roll in the rental cars with a trunk full of OZ, dropping them things off. Sometimes they were whole keys. Me and my brother Tavares, now he runs with a killer clan. And my nigga Ken P, now he's a
I'll be dead in a year I won't see 21 come And at the rate I'm going now G-Rock will be my mother's only son Said I'll never be shit Just a nigga in a pen But I get more money Spend that and get paid again Left my books to be a crook Left my job just to rob How you gon' tell the flea How to live when times get hard Be myself, so I did I need help, I sold drugs Cause all I ever really knew Were crooks and thugs I was down from the heart Crank your car till it start Take it to the back of my hood And strip the fucking parts Every time I seen a cop I got a bad thought Like breaking them down the middle Like a hand boss And your life for tomorrow It wasn't no guarantee Cause ain't a nigga got a lifetime warranty And I know them hoes sick That we still here And gon' be living to blow out our candles next year